are going to be in Exodus 6 as we continue our series uh, through this incredible historical account of, of what God has done and um, just a beautiful testimony to who he is and his faithfulness and his goodness and his sovereignty. Uh, we will be in all of chapter 6, but we're really going to be focusing on the first nine to ten verses or so. So if you're able, if you wouldn't mind standing out of respect for the words of the Lord as we read Exodus 6 starting in verse 1. Um, this is Exodus. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you that you are unchanging. We ask that in this time we'd continue to worship you as we engage with your word. That you would wield it that you would cut away what needs to be cut away, that you would strengthen where we need to be strengthened, that you would refine and, and remold where we need to be refi refined and remolded. May all of this be for your glory. May all of this be done in total reliance upon you and surrender to you. May you receive praise from our hearts. It is a joy to be known by you and to be a part of your bride. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And be seated. So we're going to do this slightly out of order. We're going to start with one of the verses near the end. One of what I think is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. I mean, this is a verse that it, when you heard it while we read through it, Hopefully it broke your heart a little bit because it's, it's tragic. Uh, it's tragic when it happened to God's people back then. It's tragic when, honestly, I still hear this verse resonate in people's lives today. Uh, in the conversations that I have, I hear this verse resonating, and it's, it's a hard verse. 
but we need to understand it because scripture doesn't stop at this verse. This isn't the only verse in this chapter. We see who God is and we see really the answer to what's going on in verse 9. Let me reread chapter 6, verse 9. God has just told Moses multiple times, I'm going to rescue my people. I'm going to bring them out, tell this to the people. Moses has told this to the people multiple times. He tells it to them again after things have gone wrong. If you recall chapter 4 and chapter 5, the people were worshiping because they were excited that God was going to rescue them, but they wanted it immediately. So when it didn't happen immediately, they spiraled back into like cynicism. And so Moses again tells the people, hey, God who has not revealed himself like this to any previous generation. God is going to rescue you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to redeem you. And in verse 9, we see Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. That's tragic. That's, that's heartbreaking. That should grieve us. And so I want us to understand this verse. And first, I want us to understand the word broken. When it says broken in spirit, wait a minute, I thought the Bible talked about being broken in a good thing, like in a good way. We sing a song, right? Here I am sweetly broken, wholly surrendered. Yes, that's not what this is talking about. What does scripture also say? What are the sacrifices pleasing to the Lord? A broken and a contrite heart. Broken in that sense, broken in that way, and that word means humbled before the Lord aware of who he is, of who we are in our sinfulness, and recognizing, okay, Lord, I need you. It's broken in humility. That's a good kind of broken. That's not the word that's used in verse 9 here. That's not the idea used in verse 9 here. This word could also be translated, it comes from anguish and despondent. So they are not broken in humility. They are broken in torment. They are broken in grief. It comes from a word that literally means shortness of breath. Have, has anyone ever had the wind violently knocked out of you? Like the terror of that when you're gasping for air and you can't get air into your lungs? In my college days, when my ego was commensurate with an 18-year-old, there was a fence and one of our guys was like, man, I used to be able to jump that. And we were like, no, you can't. He's like, yeah, I did high jump. And he jumped it and we were like, wow, that's impressive. And what we all should have said is, I was never trained in high jump. I could not do that. What we instead said was, that's nothing. You're a wuss. I could jump that. And I tried to jump it, and my toe caught on it. And I landed, unbeknownst to me, on a rock on the other side of the fence, hidden by bushes. And the wind was like, I was on the ground gasping for air. And I could not get air into my lungs. And it freaks you out. That's where that word literally comes from. Okay, that like that this word broken comes from shortness of breath of I'm trying to breathe, but my body can't do the thing it knows it needs to do. That is the broken spirit these people have. When you see spirit, the other part of that broken spirit, there's one word and I got about. Uh, okay, so my normal outline for a sermon is two pages. You all know about how long that takes us to go through. I love the word for spirit in Hebrew, it's ruach. And it has three different connotations. And I got flying and I was enjoying it. And I looked up and I was five pages deep into the outline. And I was like, that might be a good way to get people to not come back. 
And so we had to shorten it dramatically. But we'll get to it at some point. But of the word ruach, the understanding here, when you see lowercase spirit, it means disposition. It means your temperance. So this is not talking about the Holy Spirit. This is not talking about, you know, a mood, like a a spirit of joy. This is talking about a personal disposition. So we have deep anguish. We have broken despondency affecting our countenance affecting our disposition, affecting the way we approach things, the way we talk to people, the way we engage. This is not something hidden. This is visible. This is obvious. This is telling. It's the same idea you see in Genesis 41.8, Daniel 2.1-3, or Isaiah 54.6. Great verses if you want to look more into what this idea of, of spirit and disposition is. But then in Proverbs 15.13, in Proverbs 17.22, you see the problem that this is when this happens to us. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. By sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. I'm not trying, well, maybe I am trying to step on your ego a little bit. You are not unique in facing sorrow. I do not know an adult who has not faced sorrow. In fact, I don't know very many teens who haven't faced sorrow. I don't know families who haven't faced sorrow. But rather than that making us feel like, oh, I'm not like, no, 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 that should enable us to know that, hey, my brothers and sisters in Christ know what I'm going through. So when we're talking about by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed, you're in a room full of people who can relate to you and who we can relate to because we've been in those moments when the sorrow of heart crushes our countenance, crushes our disposition, when the weight of loss, of pain, of disease, of poverty, of death, when it hits, when things just seem to go wrong after wrong after wrong, by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Proverbs 17:22: a joyful heart is good medicine, but what does a crush? Okay, so by sorrow of heart, a spirit is crushed. And then you continue on in Proverbs. And what do we see a crushed spirit then does? A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I mean, Scripture lays it out. We are not just mental people. We are not just physical people. We are not just emotional people. They are related. They are connected. So when emotionally our heart is sorrowed, that weighs on us. That takes a toll. That crushes our spirit. What does the crushed spirit do? It dries up the bones. It's hard. It drags us down. Scripture's undeniably clear on this. God never promises, you know, rainbows. Well, actually, that was a really bad example. God does use rainbows as a promise. God never promises fluffy kittens. I don't know. God's honest. Hey, there's going to be times when our heart are sorrow, our hearts are sorrowed. There's going to be pain. And that can crush our spirit. That will crush our spirit. He doesn't leave us there, but we have to understand, we have to be able to acknowledge that this happens. Because then what's the problem? What's the problem with a crushed spirit? Aside from the obvious problem of it's not enjoyable. Nobody enjoys having a crushed spirit. No one enjoys feeling anguish. Nobody enjoys feeling despondent. But what's it lead to? So we see that the people of Israel have a broken spirit, that they are feeling this. What do we see? They, we see that they've internalized this because a broken disposition is related to, is tied to, is part of broken identity and a lack of understanding of who we are. 
How does God describe the Israelites in the first five chapters of Exodus? On Exodus 3, 7, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. In Exodus 5, 1, afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Throughout Exodus, God refers to the Israelites as my people. These are my people. These are my people. When Moses and Aaron go to the Israelites, they say, hey, the Lord says, I have heard the cries of my people. So the Israelites know that God views them, their identity, as his. The Israelites know. They have heard Moses say, you are my people. How do the Israelites view themselves? Well, Scripture says, Exodus 5, 15 to 16, what we just looked at last week, just prior to learning that the people of Israel have a broken spirit, how do the Israelite leaders identify themselves? Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. The Israelites have accepted their identity out of their broken, painful situation. What did it say back in verse 9? They are crushed in spirit. What was it directly related to? Their harsh slavery. And this is, this is how, hey, we're your servants. We're pharaohs. I see this today. I mean, this is going to be a very painfully raw conversation to start. And then hopefully, prayerfully, it's going to finish joyfully. Because that's how God finishes it. But I see this today. I hear this today. When I talk to people who know they're saved who know they belong to God. They've been redeemed by him. And you can hear the brokenness of spirit, and it breaks my heart every time. Sometimes you talk to someone who's maybe still in that slavery. When you're talking to friends, when you're talking to family members who don't know Christ, who don't know redemption, and you hear the brokenness that they're stuck in and how they've internalized it, now, this is just who I am. This is just my lot in life. This is what defines me. Man. It's tragic. It is, it is tragic. And so I, I want to talk to two different groups of people today. To people who have experienced a crushed spirit and have not, not allowed it to define them. Praise God for that strength. Let this encourage you and remind you. If you know when you look in the mirror that your crushed spirit drives your identity too frequently, please, please hear this. Like, please, I'm begging you. If your crushed despondency, if your anguish over the years has formed who you are and how you think of yourself, please, please listen to what God says. Please. Richard Sibbs, uh, I, who I know nothing about Richard Sibbs other than he said this, the soul is cast down too much when our mourning and our sorrow brings us not to God but drives us from God. It's a wonderful thing to be driven to God. It's a devastating thing to allow our sorrow and our grief to drive us from God. 
to cause us. What did the people of Israel do? Moses spoke God's word and said, but the people did not hear. They did not listen. Man. Who's feeling chipper and excited? Now it gets good. That's why we did it out of order. Because it gets better. What's the song we sing? Friday is good. Why? Because Sunday's coming. Now we get to the Sunday coming part of Exodus 6. Let's reread a few verses there in the middle. This is starting in verse 5. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians." I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. The very thing that crushed the people, the very source of their pain, their anguish, their despondency, the very problem, their slavery, what does God say? He says, I will rescue you from that. Come on. That's good news. That's joyous. That's amen. That's the power of Yahweh, of I am, of Elohim. He rescues his people. We talked about, if you recall, in the very beginning of this series, when we talked about Exodus, I said one of the things to look for in Exodus is a beautiful foreshadowing of Christ. As we study this book in the earliest parts of Scripture, we see wonderful pointings to Christ, to Jesus. So if back in Exodus we see God talking about rescuing his people from slavery, what do we see perfected in the person, the death and resurrection of Christ? What do we see has happened for you, the believer? And if you're not a believer, if you're here, if you're online, what does God make available through Christ? Rescue! I mean, listen to scripture. This is Isaiah 61, 1 to 4. So still before Jesus. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. An unbelievable promise, prophecy of rescue, of deliverance, of turning things around. Okay, now it gets cool. What do we see in Luke? 
What do we see in Luke 4, 16 to 21? Jesus goes into the temple and he begins to teach and he asks for the scroll of what book? Isaiah. He asks for the scroll of Isaiah and he turns to that section of Isaiah and he reads that beautiful promise in Isaiah and then he concludes it with some of the most powerful words I can even wrap my mind around. He says, today this scripture has been fulfilled. Is nobody awake? Let's try this again. Jesus said, hey, slaves, that promised freedom, that promised rescue. Hey, those who mourn, those who weep, those who feel pain, that promise of healing, that promise of redemption, that promise of joy, that promise of celebration, I fulfilled that for you. Amen? There we go. You're awake. Good. It's okay to be vocal in church. We can celebrate these things. Come on. So yeah, the first part, 6-9, breaks my heart. But 6-6, six, 6-7, six, six, that makes me want to run through a wall. Jesus has rescued us. He has fulfilled that promise that our hearts are desperately longing for. John 8, 34 to 36, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That shackle of sin doesn't have a hold on you anymore. That prison door of anger, of bitterness, of lust, of cynicism, of betrayal, of wrong, of pain, Jesus kicked that door down. Whom the Son sets free is free. Why do we love our country? What's the first thing we talk about when we talk about our country? What's William Wallace's favorite word? Freedom. You think, you think America created freedom? You think William Wallace in Scotland created freedom? God created freedom. And he gives it to his people so that we don't have to be broken in spirit because he has set us free. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the spirit. Oh man, talk about cool Trinitarian theology, right? So God promises freedom. Jesus promises freedom. And now what do we see in 2 Corinthians 3.17? Now the Lord is the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom freedom. 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Friends, it's that simple. Live as people who are free. Why? Because we're free. We're free. I, I, I mean, it, it doesn't get any more basic than that. Jesus set you free, so live as free people. That's awesome. That's such a joy. That's such a privilege. That's such an honor. That's such a gift. Because what do we see it tied to? If we go back to Exodus, what does it say? Exodus 6. He says, okay, so he says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. What's directly connected to that? I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. What does it mean to redeem? What does redemption mean? I think it's a word we use a lot. I think some of us might be able to define it. Some of us might be able to be like, I could partially define it. And some of us can't define it at all. That's okay. 
hopefully after this morning, we can all define it. What does it mean to redeem? Well, Psalm 74, 2. Remember your congregation, talking to the Lord, remember your congregation which you have purchased of old, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage, which you have purchased. Redemption means understanding Christ's death as paying the price for our sin. Don't get it twisted. Your sin brought with it a earned, a deserved, a justified price tag. My sin earned death, 100%. You're not special. No one has been born who did not earn this price, who did not owe this cost. This cost. Christ paid it. Christ paid the price you and I never perfectly could. He purchased us with his blood, with his life, of his own volition, of his own power, of his own will, out of his love, out of his sovereignty. Oh, that's awesome. That's mercy and grace like we can't wrap our minds around. That's strength like we can't fathom. Jesus says, I'm going to go ahead and I will use an extreme uh, superlative here. Jesus says the toughest line in history in John. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord that I may pick it back up. Come on. That's incredible. You don't feel loved. You don't feel known. You don't feel cherished. You don't feel cared for. The king of the universe looked at you and said, I choose to lay down my life for you so that I can pick it back up and you can join me in eternity forever. You want to talk about a cure for a broken spirit? You want to talk about a solution to despondency and to anguish? That's freedom in Christ. Mark 10, 45 the penalty of sin didn't disappear. Jesus speaking, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Romans 3, 23 to 25, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, fancy word to mean he bore God's wrath towards sin for us put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, whoever is hanged on a tree is cursed. 1 Peter 1, 18-19, Know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. God promised redemption to his people back in Exodus. This was nothing they could do for themselves. They had no power to redeem themselves. They had no power to rescue themselves. God promises, Jesus says, this is fulfilled redemption through him. We cannot do this for ourselves. I don't care how good you think you are. You cannot redeem yourself. I cannot redeem myself. I can't redeem you. 
What a weight taken away. Knowing that the work we could never do, we don't have to. Knowing that the penalty we could never pay has been paid. Deuteronomy 7, 6-9, talking about the aftermath of the Exodus. Listen to this. For you are a people, this is talking to the people of Israel, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. The problem is a broken spirit. The problem is anguish and despondency. The solution always was, always has been, and always will be Christ on the cross. Christ in the tomb, Christ knocking down the door to the tomb and walking out king of life, the rescue that we all so desperately need. It's awesome. And we see it all the way back in Exodus. How cool to study this and to see that it's pointing to the eternal narrative written by God. Talk about a delight to dive into. What did he say in Deuteronomy that he first said in Exodus 6, verse 7? I'll read for the third time. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. That's what it boils down to. Why are we rescued? Why are we redeemed? Why are we brought out? To be God's people and to know him as our God. It's summarized so wonderfully. Deuteronomy 4.20 But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. So let's go back to verse 9. Broken anguish. Broken despondency. Broken spirit. It's directly related to broken identity. And then for those of us who are believers, who know Jesus is our Lord, what do we see redemption is tied to? When we look at scripture, when we look at verse 7, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. Why did God call for his people to come out of Israel? To know him. To worship him. Redemption, going all the way back to Exodus, going all the way back to the beginning, understanding rescue, understanding redemption. Redemption is tied biblically to new identity. Isaiah 62, verses 4 and 12. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. No more shall you be called broken. No more shall you be called desolate. That's the old identity. 
That's the pre-Christ identity. You shall be called redeemed of the Lord. God's rescue and redemption gives us a new identity. What is tied to that? What is redemption also tied to? Consider Exodus 3.12 and 7.16. God said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Israel or out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Rescue and redemption also gives us our purpose. If it gives us our identity, it also gives us our purpose to serve and worship God. Isaiah 44, 23. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. Whoa, what is this thing the Lord has done? I mean, all of creation is called to sing out in praise because he has, he, he has done it. What is the it? For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. Isaiah 52, 9, break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Used to be slaves. Used to be broken. Used to be lost, gasping for air, trying to get our lungs to do the thing we know they're supposed to. And this is why I wanted to get into Ruach, because it gets really cool in Ezekiel with God putting like physical breath in lungs, but then it's also the same word for spiritual breath in life. And like, that's who we are. We were the dead. We were the broken. We were the despondent. We were the hopeless. We were the forsaken. No more. Christ has come. Christ has fulfilled what God promised. He has rescued us. He has redeemed us. He has given us new identity. He has given us new purpose. And that is fun. That is humbling. That is joyful. That is a privilege. That is an honor. That is a life worth living to know God and to serve him. So this week, as we consider these things, we're going to read two chapters this week. I, I could not. I know we've been trying to do just one. I understand you're all busy. I understand not everybody loves reading. We've been trying to do just one. I, I could not pick between these two chapters. So we're going to read Romans 6 and Galatians 5 this week. Read these, treasure these, store these up in your heart. And then pray as led by these chapters. Continue to remember Exodus 4, 11 to 12. And then for the apply, for the making it practical, if you're a believer and you've been redeemed, you've been rescued, you've been set free, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And we look at how redemption, I mean, biblically, it lays out redemption and rescue is tied to new identity and new purpose. I'm telling you, if you ever doubt your purpose, your purpose is to worship and serve God. So practically, what does that look like in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood, focus on your street. If you want to focus on the two houses on either side of you, if you want to focus on the one house, whatever. Like, but where you live, where God has deliberately placed you in your new identity as a rescued, redeemed son or daughter of Christ, what would it look like for you to serve and worship God in that neighborhood? Start doing it. If you're doing it, great. Think of a new way. If you're doing seven ways, great. Think of an eighth way. Like, let's not stop. Because this is who we are. This is what we get to do. Let's pray. Lord, to go back to Isaiah 
If there are those here who still feel like they're the brokenhearted, remind them that you have bound up the brokenhearted, that you have healed it. If we're still wrestling with feeling like we're slaves, like we're defined by or known by our anguish, our, dis- our despondency, if we're still fighting a broken spirit, Lord, remind us that you have redeemed us, that you have brought us out, that you have rescued your people and set us free. And may that cause us to live lives of worshipful surrender to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, Otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.